talking about who we are in Jesus as, as kids, man, just kids of God, not, not performers, not workers, just God's children and how much God just loves us and lavishes on us and adores us. And, and tonight I want to talk about being fearless, being fearless children. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, that really, if we're not careful, fear can really control our lives even without us realizing it. So we're going to get in this tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. Everybody say again. Okay? So that's saying that whenever you come to Jesus, you're not supposed to go back to the way that you functioned before. Are you with me? But you received the spirit of sonship. Now, when Scripture says sonship, we're going to be talking about this a little bit probably next week. When Scripture says sonship, notice that it, that, that, that doesn't exclude daughters. Okay, When Scripture speaks of sons, it's because sons are the ones that re- receive the inheritance. But we know in Christ that there's no male nor female. Come on. So sonship is the spirit, but it's, it's not about gender. Okay, And by him, we cry, Abba. Father, the Spirit himself testifies or bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. One of the issues that's kind of brought up is this issue of being slaves again to fear. And a lot of times we just kind of read over that. And I want to talk tonight a little bit about what, what, what is it? What, what causes us to be fearful slaves or those that are like enslaved or ensnared by fear. And it's really this, this thing called, uh, for lack of a better word, we call it the orphan spirit. And by orphan spirit, we mean that one that doesn't belong to a family, one that basically feels like or they function like they don't have parents. Are you with me? And sometimes, it, it, being children in the kingdom of God, sometimes we don't function like we're children, first of all, or children in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we function like orphans. Come on, are you with me? And I want to talk about that orphan uh, spirit just a little bit tonight because sometimes, again, we act more like orphans than we really actually belong to God. We, we do that we're like insecure, right? We get jealous. We function in anger. All these things are rooted in an orphan spirit. And I have a question tonight. Does concern ever control you? Do fears ever limit you? Are you limited by your fears? Do you say, well, I would do this, but... We have the fear of, of rejection, right? We're afraid to do certain things or be who we are, really are or do all the things that God is, has called us to do because we're afraid that someone might reject us. Orphan spirit. Well, if I do that, then uh, I'll be rejected. Sometimes we feel that way uh, towards God. Sometimes we feel that way towards people. Listen, God is not rejecting you. God doesn't reject people. He, he doesn't know that. Are you with me? He receives. You might reject him, and that will separate you from him. But he is not rejecting you. Uh, this, uh, another one is, is a fear of abandonment. We're afraid that if we do certain things, it will be left all alone. That no one will be there. They'll reject me. They'll leave me all alone. And then we have the great one, the one that probably controls all of us the most. And this is called the fear of failure. The fear of failure. 
right? How many of you guys know what that's like, right? The fear of like, man, I would do that. I just don't know. You know, a little over a year ago, we really dealt with this, this fear of failure whenever we were, uh, when God put it in our heart to come plant a church in Grand Prairie. And I was like, God, I don't know what's up. And what's crazy is I have this history with God being a good provider for me, right? Being a good daddy. Like, he's always been good. He's always provided. I've always been amazed. You know, people will come to us sometimes and be like, it's, it's amazing how God has provided for you guys. Like, you're really well taken care of it. And you would think that over all the years and having all this history with God that I would forget how to fear, right? And so what happens is God puts this desire in us to move to the Metroplex and start a church. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But what if we go out there and what if we fail, what if we try to start a church and it fails? What if nobody comes? And, and what, if, what if people laugh at us? And what if people tell us we miss God? All these fears starting, started setting in. And I was like, God, I believe. And I told him this. I said, God, I believe. But you got to help my unbelief. And really what I was saying is I was saying, God, I believe you, but I'm kind of scared. And what I found out about God is that he doesn't get ticked off at us when we're honest with him. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think that we got to be all spiritual and say the right prayers in order for our prayers to be answered like we can manipulate God somehow, right? Listen, I'm a man of faith. I believe that we need to speak positive things, but God wants it real. He wants you real. He didn't want you coming together with your three-piece suit all polished. He just wants you coming as you are and being real with him. Come on, are you with me? You don't have to have it all figured out. In fact, we go to him because we don't, right? And so we have this fear called failure. Of failure. And the problem with fear is this. The problem with fear is fear is bondage that controls us. That's why uh, Paul uses this language right here. Slaves again to fear. Because whenever we are fear, whenever we are fearful, then what happens is we are no longer controlled by what we feel like God's calling us to do. We're, not, we're no longer controlled by the things that we would really like to do. We're controlled by this fear that says, ah, I'll keep you over here. And so what the enemy will do is he won't get us caught up in quote-unquote sin. He'll just get us caught up in fear. He'll make us fearful. You won't be successful. You won't succeed. People won't like you. People will reject you. You're fat. You're ugly. All these things, all these lies from the enemy to keep you where you're at so you'll never move in to the things that God has called you to move into. And I want to tell you, if you feel that way tonight, quit thinking like an orphan. Because you're not an orphan. You got a daddy, and he's a good, good daddy. Now, there are over 530 medically documented types of phobias. 530. Now, there's probably a list out there that's a lot bigger than that, but these are actually medically documented. Uh, fears from like uh, peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth to the fear of spiders or the fear of heights. We've, we've heard about these phobias. Now, listen, we're not talking tonight so much about fright, okay? There's a difference between fright and fear. I mean, you guys know how it is on Vine whenever you frighten someone, right? We're not talking, about, we love that, right? We love that exhilarating feeling of being frightened. I'm not talking about fright. I'm not talking about, you know, I'm up on this new rod that they have at Six Flags this past week, the, what do they call it, the sky shoot rocket or something like that, the sky scraper rocket. Anyway, it's these swings, and they take you way up in the air, and it spins you around. It's just like the regular swings, except for you're doing it like, I don't know, like 10,000 feet up in the air. I don't know how high it is, but it could be, you know, 100 feet, and it, it would feel the same. And so here I am, you know, thinking, I need to go ride this thing because I know it's going to be a little bit exhilarating because it's going to put some fright in me. And I can tell you, it wasn't really that scary. 
scary, but it was really weird. <laughs> it was just because the guy in front of us, like where the only thing that's holding you up is these eight little chains and you're riding and then the swing in front of us. I mean, you're like, you guys have seen it if you drove by there. I mean, it's like really, it's the highest thing in the park and the swing is like going and I see those people like that. I'm like, man, what if that thing like spins around and smashes against the side of that tower? So obviously fright is a little bit different than fear. Are you with me? Now, fear, the thing about fear, now, you don't have to teach someone to be frightened, right? Our, our daughter, Elisa, she is so beautiful. And sometimes we'll come up and we'll, like, pick her up or we'll say something, and she wasn't expecting it, so she gets frightful, right? It's just, you know, it's so funny to see babies, how they kind of stiffen up because they're like, oh, they're so loose. And then, you know, they get scared and they kind of look and their eyes dilate and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of funny to see kids get frightful, but, but, but fear must be learned, See, you're not born with fear. You learn how to be fearful. You learn to be controlled by this thing called fear. See, fear sets in whenever we feel out of control. Children have no need uh, for control because their will is yielded to their parents. My, My children, they have very little concern, right? There's no fear that rules their life. I love it. I'm like, I wish I could be like that. They don't worry about what other people think. They don't worry about paying the bills. These are not things that they've learned. They don't have the wisdom to fear these things. Isn't it funny how most of the time we call our fears wisdom? When the Bible speaks that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love Mark 10. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. And when Jesus saw that was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Whoa. Yeah, Jesus got mad. So he got angry with his disciples and he said to them, Let the kids come. Let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. You know, a childlike faith is something we must never grow out of. People are going to tell you, you know, you need to grow in your faith. You do, absolutely. You need to grow in your faith. But do not grow in your ability to fear. You know how we do that? is by always being yielded. Always being yielded. The the reason why my kids don't worry about everything is because they got parents that can worry about everything for them. Right? They don't have to worry about the bills because we worry about the bills. Right? It's more like they know their parents got it covered. Electric bill never got cut off before. Why should it get it cut off now? They don't think like we do. Their minds are very simple in that sense, but they're very trusting. They're very yielded. Dad says so? Okay. I remember Moriah, uh, several, three years ago, we were kind of in a predicament in our life, and we were released from the position that I'd been in a long time for 11 years at a church and re- was released for that position, and all of a sudden we were left with no income. I didn't really have, like, a, a backup plan. All I had was ministry, and ministry is just a little bit different. Like, you don't just grab the first job that comes along. And, and so we were going through this process, and... Uh, 
we're, we're just discouraged about it. And then Mariah, Leslie and I are talking about it. And Mariah comes in, and she must have been like four or five. And, and uh, she, she, she said something to the effect, like, why are you guys like, why are you upset? Or why are you worried? Or why are you concerned? And we're like, well, baby, it's, it's because we don't have any money. Like, I mean, it was getting real. You know, we were freaking out. And she's like, oh, I got this. And she runs up to her room and brings down her little piggy bank. And she says, I've got some money right here. Isn't it awesome to have faith like that? And that's the kind of faith that Jesus was talking about, a faith that's totally yielded, a faith that's untainted. But what happens is we live life and we get disappointed and bad things happen and we learn to live guarded and we learn to live like orphans. And Jesus is like, I'm the same daddy that saved you and I will always take care of you. I will always take care of my kids. I want you to say this with me tonight. Say, my daddy is a good daddy. You know that? Your daddy's a good daddy. God is a good God. He's, he's not going to make you sick or make you depressed. God, that is not the heart of God. There's things that, that we do many times in our life to kind of cover up fear that, that we think will, will, will help our fears, right? We, so we live these fears, and then we develop these weird behaviors to kind of cover up fear. And I want to explore a couple of those tonight because I'm, I'm here to tell you tonight these things don't work. They don't help your fear. And the first thing is masquerading your fear as anger. Most of the time when people are angry, it's, it has nothing to do with anger. It has to do with fear. Now, some anger is rooted in bitterness and unforgiveness. However, it's usually initialized at some point in our lives because we were in a situation that we don't want to get into. Again, I can't trust anyone. I don't like anybody. Why? Because of this. There you go. So masquerading fear as anger does not help your fear. The second thing that won't help your fear is worry. Oh, everybody say worry. Look at your neighbor and say, don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> Don't worry. Listen, our pastor in Amarillo used to say this. Richie Brown would say, you know, worrying really does work because 95% of the things that you worry about never happen. <laughs> Actually, the worry doesn't work, does it? It's just we worry for some strange reason, probably because we're afraid. Number three, complaining or whining. Complaining and whining won't help your fear. Listen, just because you get on Facebook and you complain about how difficult things are right now is not going to make your fear go away. In fact, it's probably going to contribute to a problem because people aren't going to want to be around you and God's going to want to use people to help you, but you're complaining all the time and people don't want to be around people who are complainers. People want to be around lifters, not downers. You say, well, I don't feel lifted. Well, then start lifting up others. Because if you tear down others, you're going to feel teared down yourself. Nobody's going to want to be around you. Learn to be a lifter. Lift people. And let me just say this, complaining, whining, sinful behavior. You know, there, there, there's this thing that kept the children of Israel out in the desert for 40 years. And it wasn't poor leadership. They were one of the greatest leaders in human history. The problem was, is they complained. God has a problem with this issue called complaining and whining. I have a problem with it too, but mostly because God has a problem with it. I agree, God. It's a problem. We shouldn't do it. So, again, posting all this, you know, I see people do that all the time. I'm like, man, really? And what's funny is it's the same people that do it time after time after time after again, year after year after year. And it's like you can't seem to get victory 
but you continue to do this, understand if you want something to change and you got to do something different. The fourth thing that won't help our fear is being independent. Do you know that being independent, being mature and responsible, it's not going to make your fear go away. In fact, if anything, it's going to make you have more fear. I want to tell you tonight that there's no reason to fear. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason for fear to control your life. No reason to fear because number one, we are his. We're his. There's no reason to fear because we're his. And I know that's easy to say. So let me let scripture say it again. Do not be misled. James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Mm, That's good. He chooses to give birth to us, sonship, by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, out of all creation, now all creation isn't God's children, we're not his seed, but, but we, out of all God's children, became his prized possession. Oh, come on. You know how it is when you get your prized possession? You know how it is when you were like in middle school? I remember when I was in middle school, my dad bought me these uh, Nikes. They were like, and we didn't really have like very expensive shoes. And so we went into this place and they had these Nikes. They were like nice Nikes. It's funny, Judah's like, I want Nikes. I'm like, mm. And so we go in and they had these Nikes. They were like, I don't know, like 50% off or something. You know, they're like $150 shoes and we got them for like 75 bucks. It's crazy how expensive shoes were back then, you know, 10 years ago. So, <laughs> so, so in middle school, I get these shoes, man, and I remember around those shoes man I remember taking them off at night I remember cleaning them every day why because they were a prized possession listen I tell you that God is, is, is privileged to be your daddy he's not ashamed of you you are his prized possession he doesn't take you and hide you in a closet no 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 he sets you up on a hill and he says why don't you shine for the whole world to see because you are mine you're my prized possession I love you here let me let me shine you up a little bit right here I love you I want the whole world to see you I want them to see me in your life let's let's just put them on a hill let's put the city on a hill come on let's put it right over here you are and it was funny is, is Jesus Jesus during his life and his ministry he said I am the light of the world right but you know what Jesus said later on in his ministry you are the light of the world you're just like the father of lights you're just like your daddy they can see your dad it's like when when people see my kids they're like hey he looks just she looks just like you at least and we get that oh she's got your blue eyes I'm like yeah no you know she looked just like her daddy. And I'm, we're showing her off. We don't go to the store and be like, oh, we don't want you looking at our baby. You know, how weird would that be? Oh, look at that cute baby. You know, people get so funny with babies. They're like, oh, I just want to touch their skin. And, you know, it's like, and we're not like, we're not hiding her and going, no, we don't want you to see her. We want people to see her because she is a prized possession. I know people aren't possessions, but man, she is prized. She is valued in her eyes. We want the world to see her. We want them to see how beautiful she is. Let me just say this. When the world sees how beautiful we are, they're seeing how beautiful God is. Because I'm like, showing off Elisa, I'm like, we made her. 
we made her. She's, she looked like me. She, isn't she beautiful? She looked like a daddy. Right? Like, we get excited about that. Why y'all getting all bashful and weird on me? Okay. So we're his. We're his prized possessions. We are his. We are his responsibility. Listen, I've got bad news for you. You are not that responsible. But I've got good news. Our God is responsible for those who put their trust in him. Our confidence and comfort does not come from our performance. Well, God's not going to take good care of me today because I watched TV show I wasn't supposed to watch. God's not going to take care of me because I blew it this week. Is that how you treat your kids? Doesn't sound like a good daddy to me. It does not come from our performance. It comes when we have a yielded, yielded our life to God as a good and wise father. So confidence and comfort doesn't come from you having it all figured out spiritually. It comes from you being yielded to the one who is responsible. So we are his. Number two, we can trust him. We can trust him. We're like, oh, yeah, 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 we know. You can trust God. You know, some of us are, and we, we've talked a little bit about this, some of us, our view of our heavenly father has been tainted because we've had a poor earthly father. But you've got to recognize that God loves you perfectly. He's perfectly good. We can trust God. Listen, one of the things about God's nature is that it's immutable, and that means it's unchanging. And I loved what it says right there in, in James, our scripture. It says, he never changes like shifting shadows. God is constant. He's not flaky. He's not up and down. He's not fickle. God is constant. And because he's constant and he's always the same from ages, I mean, listen, this is, this is crazy thing in our thinking because we know how we live life and we know how like we process and we know how like we change over time. God doesn't change over time. God has been the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. God will always be the same. And because God's so solid, because of that, it makes it easier for us to put our confidence in him. You, you guys have been around erratic people before, right? Like, yeah, we've been around you, right? You've been around people that are like, you don't know what to expect. Like, you're like, hey, how you doing? Right? <laughs> I'm about to tell you a joke. Right? I'm about to tease you a little bit. Right? I'm about to say, uh, I just want to make sure that you're in a good mood. Right? Kind of checking out there. You guys have been around people like that. You don't know what kind of mood. Listen, God's not like that. God's not up and down and wishy-washy. God is solid. He is rock solid. You know, we're not self-confident, positive thinkers. That's not what we're promoting. We're, we're promoting, I've heard this word before, we're, we're promoting Godfidence. Godfidence, that we're, we're confident in God. We're not prideful, we're not puffed up. We just know who our daddy is. Right? It's not about us, it's about God. And listen, one of the mistakes that we make in this thing called trust is we trust our own faith level. And this is where I was at, like I was sharing with you guys a few minutes ago, a year ago, a little over a year ago. I was like, God, I believe but help my unbelief. I'm really struggling. So guess what God does? He sends a fiery trial in my life to refine me. No. He helps. He helps me. He said, okay, Josh. 
Here you go. I'll sell your house in 24 hours. Here you go, Josh. I'll give you a job offer the day after you tell the people you're leaving. This is how good our God is. So all this happens. We sell our house. I'm mowing my lawn the last time, right? I like mowing the lawn. It's, it's, it's good. It's good for me. Some of y'all need to learn how to mow the lawn. It'd be good for you. So I'm mowing the lawn. Come mow my lawn. It'd be really good for you. And good for me too. So I'm mowing my lawn. Right? It's crazy how loud my lawnmower is, but how quiet my spirit is when I'm mowing the lawn. And I think that's the reason why. Because there's nothing to distract me. I'm just making lines. And so I'm mowing my lawn. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm like, God. I'm just so happy, you know, because God just, like, did all this good stuff and just really set us, set us up to move out here. And, and I'm just, you know, mowing my lawn, kind of smiling. You know, people are probably thinking, what's wrong with that man? Why is he so happy? He's mowing his lawn. Doesn't he know that's a miserable thing to do? And so I'm mowing my lawn, and I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm so sorry for, for telling you that, that I believe, but you help my unbelief. You've been so faithful to me, and you've been so good, and I'm sorry for questioning that. I was really just pouring out my heart to God. Like, I really felt bad. Like, I was repenting for my, you know, my behavior of not being a good believer, you know, of not believing well. And God spoke to my heart, and he said, Josh, that was the perfect kind of faith because you weren't placing faith in your ability to believe. You were saying, God, I don't got it. Would you take it? And at that moment, it was complete and total trust. I love God. I love how good he is. Our greatest demonstration of faith is when we say, God, only you can. So I encourage you, get yourself in some situations that you have to say, God, only you can. Get into some trouble. Some holy trouble. Not unholy trouble. (laughs) I don't have enough faith. Enough faith in what? I don't have enough faith. What is wrong with that statement? Well, first of all, you started it with I. Don't have enough faith. It's not about your faith level. It's about how good and big your God is. I'm telling you, you get that revelation, and it's just like, boom. Daddy. Okay. I mean, my kids don't come in. What's going on, Mariah? Well, I'm just kind of stressed out. Why? Well, because it's hot in my room tonight, and I'm afraid that they disconnected the electricity. Do, do we pay the bill, or are we going to be okay? She doesn't do that. Does she? she doesn't play confidence in, in herself. She's just like, hey, it's kind of hot in my room, Dad. Would you come turn it up? Okay. Right? We get so caught up. Luke chapter 12. This is so good. I love this scripture. It's so good. You talk about like number one scripture, Josh, for financial provision. Right here, Luke 12. Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, this is what I tell you, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body, body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, 
What's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They do not work or make their clothing, yet Solomon and all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God, who cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown away in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you, why do you have such little faith? And, and don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father knows your needs. Then he says this. So seek first the kingdom. Put the kingdom of God first. Notice he didn't say put your family first. Oh. Right? Notice he didn't say put your job first. I believe if you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, I believe your job is a demonstration of the kingdom of God through you. It's another message. But seek the kingdom of God, the dominion of Jesus above all else. And he will give you everything you need. Interesting. So don't be afraid, little flock. (laughs) I love that. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Listen, God owns everything, and you are a citizen of that kingdom. You are a child of the kingdom of God. You own everything. It might not be in your possession yet. So what do you do? You don't focus on the external and what's going on. You focus on the kingdom. And then what God does is he brings the provision of the kingdom and overrides the provision of the natural because we put it first. But the problem is, is we don't put the kingdom first. We put our kingdom first. Whoa. And then we're like, Oh, but I have lots of money and I put my kingdom first. But what do you have at the end of your life? Nothing. Trust means yielding. You know, I'm not talking about money tonight, but it's easy for us to say, oh, God's going to take care of me financially. But we're not seeking God first in our finances? Well, we can't afford to give any offering, pay any tithe this week. We can't afford to do any of that because our bills are just too high. Yeah, because that's the kingdom you're supposed to seek first is the electricity bill. And you wonder why you struggle so far. I can tell you right now that God has been so very good to me. I remember, and I was remembering this story this week. I was talking to Leslie about it. I remember when I was youth pastoring in Odessa, we were running an inner city ministry. That's when Pastor Chad and I become such good friends. And I remember we had passed around the offering buckets every week. I remember at the end of the week, there would be like just, or the end of the night, there would just be like a little bit of money in there. We were finding things like blockbuster gift cards, and we were finding things like lollipops, and we were finding all this stuff. And I, and I remember like in, inside of me, I thought for a minute, I got critical. I'm like, what, they don't have any? And then I thought for a moment, they gave what they had. And I just remember, I always remember that, how faithful God was, not only to my own life in that season, which was very difficult to trust him financially, but I remember him doing that, that these kids, they wanted to give God something. 
And so it's just, it just so cool, like Blockbuster gift cards. They had like value on them. They weren't just like gift cards that were empty. Like we called and checked on them. They had like, you know, $6 bound. I don't know what, don't know what Blockbuster is, but, um, you know, it was before Netflix. <laughs> we're in the post-Blockbuster era, okay? <laughs> Redbox, you know Redbox? Well, they used to have stores like Redbox, <laughs> okay? But trusting means yielding. What do you have? Oh, man, I just don't know. What do you have? Anyway, that rabbit. Number three. Number one, we are his. Number two, we can trust him. Number three, we are perfectly loved. Perfectly loved. First John four sixteen through 18 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made perfect or complete among us and so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. Oh, come on. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Listen, you want to walk a life of freedom from fear? Have a revelation of the love of God. Study the love of God. Listen, when this scripture is talking specifically right here, he gets into this thing about, about judgment. We have no fear in judgment. Listen, people like talk about the judgment of God. Listen, God, I believe in the judgment of God. I believe the judgment of God is here on the earth right now. I believe the judgment of God is coming. But the judgment is not for God's kids. All punishment, listen, God as a father isn't punishing you in the sense that he's bringing things on you to harm you. This is a very misconception about God. Listen, God does judge. God does punish. But with his children, he corrects them. And there's a big difference between correction and judgment. God, whenever God corrects you, it's like me grabbing my son's arm and pulling him out of the street. If I have to break his arm so he doesn't die in the process, that will happen. Now, that's a terrible illustration because God's not going to break your arm. God's not, God's not going to bring you physical pain, physical pain to, to save you from the car that's running across the street because Jesus already paid for your healing. You know, why is God going to undo something he already did when he said it is done, finished, boom, done. Punishment is different from discipline or correction. We were enemies. Judgment is reserved for the enemies of God, but we're no longer enemies. We're children. Some people have this bad view of God like he's an angry father who comes home and drank too much so he wants to slap his kids around because they're not doing everything that he wants them to do. My kids get lots of spankings. I believe in correction. Right? Mariah doesn't get banged, but Judah, I can promise you, he gets lots and lots of spankings. Lots of them. Every week he gets lots of them. Not as much as he used to, but because his actions have been corrected. But listen, we are not, there's a God that loves us perfectly. He's, he's not going to, you know, people are like, oh, you don't want to do that. God might make you sick. Would you, being a good father, would I be a good father? Okay, Judah. So this is what's going to happen, son. Because you didn't do good in school, I'm going to give you cancer. 
Do you see how ridiculous people think, oh, God gave it? No, he did not. He undid cancer. He undid sickness. He undid death on the cross. Now, are you going to die? Yes. Are you going to die of sickness? Maybe. But do you have dominion over sickness? Yes. Because Jesus already dealt with it on the cross, sucker. <laughs> right? <laughs> so God loves you perfectly. He's not mad at you. He's not irritated at you. He's not, you know, giving you ingrown toenails. He's not doing that. He loves you perfectly. <laughs> <laughs>